We're going to look at an issue today I think is very relevant to what we've been talking about. We've been looking over the last couple of months at the whole issue of asking God to bring the fullness of his spirit in our life, seeking after that, pursuing that, and at some point, you've got to start asking a question in your mind if you haven't already started asking a question. Okay, so like, when are we done talking about this, and why haven't we seen something? Okay. So I thought I would address that issue tonight because it came became very real to me while I was overseas. A couple things uh, came came to me while I was overseas. But so let me let me let's talk about the progression again. I just want to go through this with you. Um, first of all, remember we start off with a thirst. That is a desire within our heart to have something more in our Christian life, something more in our church, something more of seeing God working through our church, reaching the lost, reaching the lost through our lives, and and then we come to frustration because. We are sinners, and no matter how much, how much we try to be a better witness or how much we try to deal with the sin in our life, we always end up in frustration. So that brings us to realization, realizing that we can't do it. It has to be Christ. It has to be God through us. It has to be the Holy Spirit, because we're not able to do that. And you know what? I was just thinking, the prime example of realizing that we're not able to do that is this. Think about the church for a moment, the early church, the 120 people in the upper room, who 12 of them were the apostles. The others were there. They've seen Jesus ascend. In fact, Paul would tell you in 1 Corinthians, more than 500 of them seen Jesus alive. So that should have been more than enough to start witnessing, right? But no, they weren't supposed to because they can't. They can't truly be a witness without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So they had to wait another 10 days in prayer to receive the Spirit in order to be that kind of witness. And I think that's what we got to realize. In and of our own strength, we can't do it. It has to be Christ through us that is able to share and witness and so forth. So that brings us to the issue of where we come to the place of surrender, where we say, Lord, here we are. Fill us. Here's our church. And so from that, we went to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 12 through 15. And this is what has been the basis of our looking forward to what God's going to do. We talked about listening, God getting our attention. You know, the difficulties he brings in our lives, he's trying to get our attention. Humility, again, recognizing who we are, humbling ourselves before God. That's where we left off. That was my last message before I left. And now, the next part is prayer. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. In fact, it says in Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
And then it says, pray and seek my face. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Pray and seek my face. Then the issue is also repentance. That's turning from our sin. And then waiting, waiting on him. So we're going to talk about prayer and repentance. And you say, okay, well, hey, George, you know, I've been praying. Nothing's happening. I've been asking God. What's the deal? You know? Well, I want to make a couple of points here. First of all, I'm going to explain the prayer and seeking, uh, seek my face in more detail on Sunday. But I'm going to talk about two things tonight. First of all, silence is our greatest enemy. When we're talking about seeking the fullness of the Spirit and praying, It's that period of time between when we first start praying and when God answers in his own time that that silence and not seeing God moving, in fact, I'll be honest with you, sensing more frustration because of who we are and our sin, that's, that, that period of silence is our greatest enemy. It's, it's what's going to wear on you to quit praying. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's going to wear on you to decide, you know what, that's, that was a nice series George was doing, and yeah, but hey, I tried that, nothing's happening. Which brings me to my second point, we have a tendency to quit praying. We have a tendency to quit praying. We have a tendency to quit going to God, because hey, you know, hey, we've been at this, we've been praying about this issue for for a, at least a month, George. We've been talking about this for two months, and I got this thirst and this hunger and desire in me, and it's not happening. I mean, I want it to happen. I, I Like, I get up in the morning, and I'm saying, Lord, is this the day? And it's not happening, so you know what? The next day, we're not as eager to pray as we had been. And before you know it, we quit praying. At least we quit praying about that issue. And before you know it, the thirst within us starts to dull a little bit and quiet down in our hearts. Well, I guess what we're going to share today is about being persistent in prayer. And so I'm, I'm going to share that with you in a moment. But I, want, I was reading this little book when I was in Asia this week. Uh, it's uh, the Keswick Movement in Precept and Practice. It's a, a movement that happened back in the 1800s along the same issues of what we're looking and talking about here as a church. And so it's just a historical document. So I was reading this from A.T. Pearson, who's long dead. But... This paragraph stuck out to me, so I want to read it to you, okay? He who wakens holy desire also satisfies the longing. Let me just say that again. He's talking about God here. He who wakens holy desire also satisfies the longing. Do you hear what he's saying? The God who created the desire in you for something more. Because that's why you're here. That's what you've been praying about. 
The God who creates that desire for something more in your life and something more in our church, he says, is also the one who satisfies the longing. God's the one who says, I can't satisfy the longing. I mean, I've, when I, if you look at it, think about my life, I'm trying to satisfy it with all this other stuff, and it's not being satisfied. The only one who can satisfy the desire that God creates is God. Right? Would we all agree with that? All right, listen to what he said. He creates, the blessing, is, the blessing sought was given. He outpours, first of all, a spirit of prayer and supplication. All right, so what is he saying here? He's the one who creates the desire. Then we want to, we want, we want that blessing. We want to see him doing his work in our life. But then he says, he, God, outpours, first of all, a spirit of prayer and supplication. He's the one who draws us to pray. He's the one who draws you to pray to seek this. Then as Christ to God grew more earnest, important and expectant, that's an 1800 word, I don't, it became plain that some new spiritual energy was at work. It's, we got to just keep praying. And at some point, God brings us there. He says, many who had been cold and conventional, hampered and hindered by form, exclusiveness and uncharitableness in spirit, distinctly entered into a newness of life and of love and a fuller experience of purity, peace, and power. That's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want. So let's talk about how do we how do we keep praying? Okay? How do we keep praying? So that's where I titled this section, and we're going to look at verses five through ten of Luke chapter eleven. If you're using a pew Bible, that's page 549. That's why we're going to, I've entitled this section, Praying It Through. Now, how many of you have heard of that term before, about you need to pray it through? That's a, that's a term from the old timers. Uh, I've mentioned it a lot in my ministry here, but you won't hear that very much on the radio anymore. You won't hear people talking about praying it through. Old timers, old time pastors, uh, you would have heard that 30, 40 years ago. Some of you even longer. And, and the issue is, is praying it through. So let me read the passage to you. Verse 5 said, And he, the speaking of Jesus, said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. We're going to talk about praying it through here. Now, here's the story. Let me explain the context, because in our English mind, it's like, what, what's going on here? Why bother your neighbor at midnight? Well, their culture was a hospitality culture. And 
In fact, they lived in with a community sense. We think individually, like who cares about anybody else? They, it was a, it was a question of having honor and saving face with the community. So according to their cultural customs, if you had relatives or somebody show up, it was required of you, and I use the term required. It was required of you to provide for them when they came. Normally, you would immediately set before them food. You would take care of them immediately. So here's a guy. He's got visitors from afar. They show up at the house, and there's no food. Nothing to set before him. He's got a calamity. He's got a terrible situation, so he runs over to his neighbor beats on the door at midnight and says, give me some food, give me some bread. I've got, a, I've got a guest, okay? So I want you, that's the context. So let's let's bring the context and the text down to where we're at. So first of all, the urgency of the moment should drive us to ask. In his situation, he was thinking, I've got to have bread or I'm going to lose face with my family, with my guests. I'm going to lose face in the community because word would get out. I've got to go beat on my neighbor's door and get something to take in front of my friend who is in need. Now for us, let's get back to the thirst. We want something more. I mean, seriously, the way Christianity is and the way that it's experienced today, that it, it makes you just want to say, is this really worth it, the way we're doing things? I mean, it's not about just coming to church. Is it really worth it? Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's got to be something more. And so the urgency is, God, you're the only one who can do it. And that urgency has to drive you to go to him and say, God, be merciful to us. Be gracious to us and to our community. Be gracious to us because we want to sense your victory in your, in our lives. We, we want to be witnesses for you. God, be gracious to us. Would you fill us with your spirit to empower us to do your work? Would you be gracious to our church? So the urgency of the moment, and, and folks, we are in an urgent moment. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not trying to, to use, um, what is the word? I'm not trying to use, I'm not trying to be an exhibitionist. I'm not trying to, to uh, over-dramatize the issue. But the fact of the matter is, seriously, you can't turn on the news every day and not know there's something wrong. And something more has to take place. And the way that we're doing things isn't answering the question. It isn't even addressing anything. Except making ourselves feel good. And we don't feel good. So, Lord, we need you. And so the urgency should drive us to ask. Here's the other one. Not getting an answer cannot be an option. Listen. To that guy, he had to keep beating on the door, even though his neighbor said, hey, look, I'm in bed, my kids are in bed, everything's put away for the evening, I don't want bothered. 
get out of here. Even though his neighbor is saying that, he's banging on the door. I need you to help me. So not getting an answer was not an option with him. Folks, we have to pray and say, God, you are our only hope. You are the only thing for my life, for our church. God, you need to answer. I I can't accept not hearing from you. Okay? that That's what praying it through is. It's going to God saying, God, I need you to save this loved one. It's not an option for them not to know you. I just can't be settled with knowing that they're going to hell. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I can't be settled knowing that this person is suffering. I can't be settled knowing that our community is dying and we have no witness. Lord, unless you show up, more people are going to go to hell, Lord. This is not an option. We need you to answer. So here's the third thing. This is the point of the text. Keep on asking until you get a response. Keep praying. Just because he hasn't answered yet? In fact, I just had this thought. Listen, bear with me as I try to formulate it. I think I know why God doesn't answer our prayers sometimes immediately. Because if he did answer them immediately, I don't think that we would uh, take it too serious about going to him in prayer. Did you know what I'm saying? I think by him delaying sometimes, he's really testing us. How serious are we about this issue? How badly do we want this? It's not like he's waiting for us to come begging. He really wants to see, are we genuinely wanting this for our lives? Are we genuinely wanting this and we need to keep praying? And that's what Jesus is saying. In fact, that brings me to the final point. Look at what it says. starts off verse 9, okay? Verse 9 starts off with a two-letter word, so. That connects to the to the story he just gave. The story he just gave is about being persistent in prayer. So then he comes down to verse 9 and says, So I say to you, and here's what he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. He's giving a promise. He's saying to you, guys, keep seeking me. Keep seeking me. Keep praying, because I will answer you. I will answer you. In fact, that's the point here. He calls us to pursue him. He calls us to pursue him. I I thought about this today. As I was driving, thinking about formulating this, what we're talking about here is an act of faith. 
Because that's what he's testing when he doesn't answer immediately. He's testing our faith. Do you trust me? Do you trust me to answer? Do you trust me? That's what he's saying. You just keep asking. And I will hear. I will hear. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given. Knock and it will be opened. I will hear, he's saying. In fact, let me back up now. I said I was going to elaborate more on it in the next message. But Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face. Now, it's interesting. He didn't just say pray. He added another action to the issue of prayer. Because you and I can just pray about anything, and we can forget that we even prayed. We say the same prayers at lunch or at supper. Did you know what I'm saying? And, and we forget what we prayed about. But he's adding one more thing. It's not just praying, it's seeking him. It's saying, God, I need you. I want you. I need you in my life. I have to have you. That's the issue here. And Jesus is saying to us, so I say to you, ask. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Because he will answer. May not be according to our time schedule. I want him to answer yesterday. But he will answer. So as we are entering into week seven, keep praying. Keep praying. Don't give up. I know there are times when I want to give up. Like, seriously, George? No. No, it, it, it was a reality of, of um, just some things over, even over the week in my alone time reading and praying. And I was like, okay, all right, Lord. And I just had the emphasis, thing in my heart, you need to be praying. You need to be praying. You got to be praying. How serious are you, George? You got to be praying. And that's what I want to share with you tonight. Okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for Jesus and the promise that he gives us. But Lord, you are calling us to pray it through. And I have to admit to you that I'm weak. Would you strengthen us tonight? Would you strengthen us for the days of head till you answer? To be persistent in prayer? asking you to do what only you can do in our lives and in our church. Lord, would you also raise up others to pray? Lord, you're, it, there's no doubt in my mind that you are stirring the hearts of folks in our church. Grant them a spirit of supplication and prayer so that we would begin praying together for your will for our lives and in our church. And we look forward to when you bring us and fulfill your promise that you have given to every believer to be empowered by your spirit 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.